0: (音楽) Thank you.
1: Back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Taten of your host. Today is June 7th. It's a beautiful day in Estes Park, Colorado. It's windy though. It's hot, but man, we got lucky. We had, like we've gotten so much rain and moisture um, in the last couple of weeks that we actually had two grass fires kick up here in the Estes Park area, and they were able to contain them like immediately. So uh, yeah, that's that's. It's, uh, it's good. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the win. Well, sorry I didn't get a podcast out this weekend. Um, like I had said earlier, it's probably going to be closer to two a week um, as we move into getting closer and closer to my book's deadline and uh, also have some really big stuff happening. So today I wanted to announce, as, as I'm sure many of you have seen, there's been a big media push Um, happening with uh, the January 6th committee hearings. And they're going to actually, the first of several upcoming hearings by the House committee investigating the attack on the Capitol is going to be held this Tuesday evening. And they're treating it um, like a big media event. It's going to be broadcast, I think, on every major news network, um, like ABC, NBC, whatnot, except for Fox, of course. Fox is going to just put it on there their Fox business, which I think only gets a hundred thousand viewers. Um, but you know, we kind of expected that. So, uh, you know, they, they actually brought in one of the, uh, the big producers from, I want to say it's ABC, uh, to put this whole thing together. Um, but you know, it's all going to be talking about the house committee has spent nearly a year now investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol and the events that led up to it. And, um, during that 11 months, they've interviewed hundreds of witnesses, and I, I will tell you that I've been one of them. I've already done two interviews. One is... Um, one was off the record and just via Zoom, and the other was me actually flying out to um, a, a, some congressional office in D.C. and and being on the record and uh, you know recorded with cameras and such. But the big news is that I will actually be part of the primetime event. So you'll be able to see my testimony. And and really all I'm doing is giving a historical precedence to the Oath Keepers and groups like the Oath Keepers. And of course, we saw that um, the Proud Boys just had um, uh, some things happen. They were also charged with sedition in the Capitol attack. Um, they uh, amended a federal indictment charge uh for five members for the far-right group including enrique enrique trio which is the uh, former leader is not anymore um with the seditious conspiracy for uh the role in the the january sixth assault and that that mirrors what they've done with Stuart rhodes and uh several members of the oath keepers but um Enrique and uh, four other members of the far-right group were indicted on Monday for seditious conspiracy um, in their roles. Um, And again, this comes from an amended indictment um, that was unsealed in federal district court in Washington. They had already been charged in an earlier indictment that was back in, I think it was March, for conspiring to obstruct the certification of the 2020 presidential election. Um, but the new indictment now is uh, the second time that a far-right group has been charged, as I said, uh, in January. Stuart Rhodes, leader and founder and, and previous basement <laughs> roommate of mine, uh, he lived in my basement for about eight months, uh, was arrested and charged along with 10 others in the same crime. Um, so the charge of seditious conspiracy, it's it's a difficult one to prove and carries particular legal weight um, and, and obviously has some some political... Uh, vibes to it. And that, that requires prosecutors to show that at least two people agreed to use force to overthrow the government authority or delay the execution of U.S. law. And it carries a maximum sentence of about 20 years in prison. Um, we're not quite sure what the the evidence was, what new evidence they got that led to these new charges, but I do know that the guy who who um, there's a British filmmaker who's working on a documentary with the the Proud Boys, and you may have seen the the video of Stuart Rhodes and and Enrique um, down in the basement underground parking garage, um, like off a, a hotel there in the uh, in the Capitol. It was with a small group of of pro Trump activists um, late in the day on January 6th, and it, the guy's name is his last name's Quest. And, um, yeah, he, um, he is going to be, uh, speaking on the first, um, the first night. So this Thursday, um, and, uh, so he, you know, doing the documentary probably, um, he probably, uh, you know, has got some pretty interesting things to say. Um, you know, uh, a well-respected Capitol police officer is, uh, he was the one that will be the first officer injured in the attack. Um, I think that they are going to be, um, it's a Miss Edwards, um, is going to be, uh, also part of that. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, amongst those that were, were indicted with, for the proud boys was Joe Biggs who, um, used to spend a whole lot of time on infowars actually I I had interviewed Joe Biggs um years ago uh, when I had uh, a radio show that I was doing internet based and um, so yeah Thursday should be pretty interesting. We'll see if people keep interest until the 21st and you never know you know they may call and just say no, we're not gonna do it. They want me out there for the whole week like five days so I'll be there Sunday through. Thursday and um yeah just getting ready to to do that and uh hopefully you can tune into your local ABC, NBC, CNN whatever it is you watch for your news and uh see me there on uh Tuesday night of next week no not next week the week after the 20 it's going to be the 21st so uh yeah that's my big news for today and um I'm sure I'll get inundated as I usually do when I do something like this, with uh, you know interview requests and stuff like that. I'll have to talk with my attorneys to see what I can, what I should do before actually um, going in and being a part of this. Anyway, so today we're just going to have a short and sweet little um, podcast, and uh, we're going to play the interview that I did. Um, it was last week with the the gal who, who broke down the open records or the open meetings violations by the Estes Park School District. So we're going to talk um, with her and have her break down kind of what's going on. I do have a uh, big interview tomorrow morning. We're going to be talking with Jen Bass, who is uh, putting together the first ever Pride celebration here in Estes Park. And, um, that, that we kind of had one during the, um, the George Floyd protests, was that last year or the year before? It's all kind of jumbled together these days, that whole pandemic period, but, um, it really, it was kind of a shared event. So, uh, this year it's going to be just a pride event. Um, unfortunately I think I'm going to be in Washington for the majority of the events, but uh i'll I'll definitely take part in the parts that I can if I'm here in town, but figured we'd help get word out about what's happening so we're gonna have Jen on um I'll be interviewing her tomorrow morning and uh, get that up this week um man i gotta i so I've been kind of staying in touch with with some of my contacts from back in the day with putting together this book and I gotta tell you the book's really coming together nicely the skyhorse has gotten um cover designs already, uh, getting worked on and got to see several, uh, possibilities this last week and, uh, it's looking good. And, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying this story. I've, I've, I'm on, I'm on track. I've got like 17 days of solid, you know, two to 3000 words a day writing to do, and uh, then I'll be done. And I've got to have the book into Skyhorse by the 31st of August. So, um, well on track for that. I should have time to get some beta readers. Um, I think I've got beta readers. It's always hard to, you know, find my author friends that that you know are successful. Things are they are um, they're always working on their own projects, like two or three, four of them at a time, like I do. And uh, so putting together a group of beta readers just to get some input. And I do apologize if there's some wind blowing in, but you know it's so hot outside. The house up here gets pretty pretty warm pretty quick so i got to have the windows open and you know what it's just the sounds of the mountain breeze coming through so um yeah i apologize if you hear some background noises and and blowing and rattling but uh the windows are open it's officially that time of year all right well before we start with the interview as always i want to thank our sponsors the real mountain theater and the historic Park Theater here in Estes Park, Colorado. This week we still have the Tom Cruise Top Gun uh, continuation with Maverick, which is doing really good. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I I I am going to go see it though. Um, You know, I know I talked some smack on the first one, but you know, it, it is a major movie and so i'm definitely going to check it out bob's burgers is also playing uh dr strange into the multiverse of madness so uh yeah check them out if you're looking for something to do here in estes park get the kids out of the house um you know they've got this new membership program where you can go to any movie you want as many times as you want for like one monthly cost one payment uh, much like, you know, instead of Netflix, where you're just sitting at home, you can actually go out to a theater and engage in the world again. Imagine that. All right. Well, let's just get right into this. And, uh, cause I gotta, honestly, I gotta get back to writing. Writing has become my life and you know what? I'm totally good with that. I'm really, I'm enjoying just the, the everyday ins and outs of, of, you know, putting a book together and you get your momentum going. And um, it's just like, it it just takes over your life for a little bit of time. But I love it. I really do. I love being a writer. And I'm so glad that I can actually support my family and and make a living through writing these days. I don't know what else I would do. Um, all right, let's get into this uh, this interview talking about the possibility that the um, SS park school district might have broken the open records or not open records. Keep saying that the, um, the open meetings, uh, laws, the sunshine laws, as they call them here in Colorado with, uh, what has, uh, happened with the, the SS park school district's board of education, which I've been covering since, uh, well, since they, they did some things to, in my opinion, not so transparent or open or honestly um, with getting rid of the old superintendent. And that, that really was what they had run on. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to keep following that story and uh, go from there. So let's just jump in. All right, folks, I'm here with Rebecca Urquhart and um, she is uh, part of the group that drafted the letter uh, to the school board, And there'll be another one going out to local media and I just thought it would be appropriate to have her come on and kind of explain what's going on in this letter because there's a lot of uh, legal speak that lay people may not quite understand but uh, I thought we could just break it down into some easily digestible chunks and and uh, talk about what's really happened there so thanks so much Rebecca for coming on sure happy to well, tell us what um, what motivated you first off to to get involved with this, and uh, tell us about what you found, and and tell us a little bit about this letter. Break it down for us.
0: Well, I started getting contacted by people as soon as the uh, they had a special meeting at which they accepted uh, Sheldon Rosencrantz's resignation. They gave a um, and it was a done deal, and so people started calling me, and then. Uh, another friend kind of looked at the open meetings law, and so I dug into it further. Um, and they, what they did was they, they met the minimum requirements. They sent out a notice of the special meeting, which they're allowed to have instead of a regular meeting, and they gave 24 hours notice, which is all they have to do. The problem was is that they sent this agenda out. It was, it was to consider the termination of the uh, school superintendent and then uh, it was just, the notice went out 24 hours in advance and then they had the the hearing and it's very hard to believe that they didn't communicate about that decision before they sent that agenda out and before they had the meeting. Under open meetings laws in, in Colorado, you cannot discuss an issue unless it is done in open meeting. Now, they certainly could just put an agenda item on and then have that an open meeting, but in one-hour meeting with an attorney present, they negotiated a settlement. And it's not credible that they didn't at least have discussed what they intended to do, the terms of the agreement. They did it in a one-hour
1: meeting. Well, and I can tell you that... um uh, Sheldon before the meeting I actually went down physically to the uh school district offices and spoke with Sheldon directly and uh another member of the staff that uh basically they, there was already uh, uh basically what what seemed to me like a, a non-disclosure agreement already in place that they would not um comment on it because of this agreement which led me to believe that it had already been worked out and that was it, you know, right after school got out, so what three about three thirty that afternoon of the special meeting?
0: right, so you know that clearly there was discussions about the terms. There was an intention um to have this termination. It had to have been drafted and the details discussed before the meeting. Technically, what you're supposed to do is. You can you know you can agree on an agenda item, but then all of the discussions have to be in the open. They, you can't have board members calling each other, emailing each other, you know, meeting each other for coffee to talk about anything. They can only do it in an open meeting, and it was already pretty much done by the time they had the meeting. Right now, it was a closed meeting, which normally uh, it, it would seem appropriate for a personnel matter, but it has to be requested. To be closed by that person, by the employee, and no one's given me any record. Now, I have not talked to Sheldon about it, but Sheldon would have had to have asked to have it closed. It's not automatically closed. Any personnel matter is supposed to be on an open meeting. That's that's another specific requirement of the open meeting clause. If you hold a meeting involving the dismissal, discipline, or compensation of an employee. It has to be open to the public. Now the employee can ask to have it closed. But there's no evidence they did that.
1: Yeah, and I don't believe from interviewing both Sheldon right after and his wife, um, who seemed to be more forthcoming because I don't think she was bound by legal agreements as, as tightly, um, It to me it felt like everything was, was kind of being pushed on them and it, they, they needed to go along to, you know, at least have some sort of survival parachute coming out.
0: Right, and then the third the third violation is I mean you you know first of all you can't communicate outside of the of the meeting about the issues, you can't have a closed meeting about a personnel matter unless the employee asks for it, and the third is you you can't have a formal action. In a, in a closed meeting, you can't make a decision. Well, clearly the, the agreement was done. They came out of the special meeting and said, we've accepted the agreement. And then they they announced that, but that's that means the action was taken in the closed meeting. They What they should have done was, assuming all those other things were all right, which they weren't, but what they should have done was come out of the special meeting and said, we, the board, Are discussing, have have discussed the termination of Mr. Rosencrantz. We have found these things, this basis, we've drawn these conclusions. They have to articulate the decision and the action. They can't just come out and rubber stamp and say, okay, we're taking action in an open meeting, here it is. That's a rubber stamp. And there's a case. That was that's still pending in Douglas County, identical to that, where the court says no, you can't make the decision and then come out at an open meeting and say we're taking this action. Boom, that's a rubber stamp. So they they had at least three violations of the open meetings law. Now, what do you do about that? Um, I mean, technically, you can you can litigate it. The agreement gets voided. I don't think. Mr. Rosenkrantz wants to do that. I think this is in his best interest. But yeah,
1: at this point, it's anyway. not in the
0: best interest of the school district. They're spending, you know, a lot of money to terminate his agreement, which he probably would have done voluntarily this summer.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I had a discussion with, with some, some one of the, uh, you know, senior leadership over at the the police department, just asking like if this, if this is a law that's in the Colorado State Revised Statutes, and you know, your law enforcement in a case like this. Who's in charge of of that law enforcement action when laws have been clearly broken? How does that even work? And um, to their credit, they they said they didn't know, and they're going to be reaching out to the DA and and finding out exactly, you know, what happens there. And I think it's this this kind of gray area where we really don't know. Is it a civil matter? I mean, could could law enforcement take any sort of action? Um, what What are your thoughts on that?
0: You know, I, I had not considered that. I, I... I've never heard of that. I think it's mostly a civil action that can be brought by either the employee, the person that's a subject of it, or the, the citizens that that are in the school district. You don't even have to have a child at the school. You know, the school district is we all get to vote in it. So it, it's basically an action that's brought by by the citizens. And it's the nature of civil. Now, whether the district attorney or someone could pursue it, that, that that's a possibility. I don't think the police would be involved, but the this district attorney might, I, that I don't know. I right. Look that
1: up. Well, I'm going to be, hopefully I'll get a call back from that, that senior leadership uh, here fairly soon today. Um, and actually I'll be honest with you. I've had, I've had some of the people involved with the Douglas County, issues um more in kind of a whistleblower capacity reach out to me recently about some more things that are happening there just because of my coverage of the school district and what's happening here so it, it just it seems so similar to me when everything kind of hit i mean I, I saw that special session and something just didn't taste right with that so i started digging in and i i have also tried to get a uh, a core request with cell phone records back and forth between the board members, after election, are, you know, from a uh, candidacy announcement on, and and those have been denied. So I think I have to appeal those now to, yeah, to see if a I get those. For that. Yeah. Right. So uh, because I think those are actually, um, you know, they 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 are legit. It is a legitimate request. Oh,
0: I think it is. I Definitely think it is. And 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 it's if nothing else, even even if it's even though it's not credible that they just. Right after they got elected, said, hey, let's put this on the agenda. I never discussed it. I find that hard to believe. The reality is, is that I I listened to the interviews of these people in a, in a candidate forum and not one of them said anything about one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to look for a new superintendent. I mean, I think the voters should have known that was coming up. That was on the agenda. That's what, that's what they were being voted in office for, and they moved on it as soon as they got on the board yeah i mean that's that is absolute not transparency for them to hide that and then and, and clearly there, there were some issues and they had planned it they only won each one of them only won by a handful of votes yeah uh, and, a, and a recall could be in order for that but again that's
1: expensive you know it takes a lot of time and who do we uh, have on tap to to step in you know immediately if that were to happen you know, is it going to be a a worse situation, a better situation? That that's an unknown.
0: Well, it's possible. I mean, there were, were there wasn't a candidate or two that was defeated, so they you know they would be probably lined up again. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, I just found it offensive, as a, just as a citizen of the town, and and I, even though I don't think anyone's going to take any formal action, because like I said, the remedy of setting it aside, obviously, Mister Rosencrantz's best interest, but it's. But it's it's good to put them on record. That's the purpose of this letter to say we're watching. You know, you do this again, and there will probably will be consequences.
1: So. Right? Yeah. Um, so real quick, we didn't we didn't talk about your background. Can you give my listeners just a little snapshot of your experience and how you have kind of this this legal knowledge to so look at this credibly and and speak on it.
0: Administrative law for for several decades. I currently work for an oil company, and and most of my matters are with uh, a, across from state and local governments. So I'm very familiar with the process. And then, um, in terms of the of the local SS Park legal situation, um, I have. I have taken issue with a few of the development projects that they've had here and then most notably the mountain coaster was approved by the town without disclosing that they knew exactly what what was intended when they changed the law to allow it. So I you know, it's 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 something that I've been staying on top of, at least here in town for a decade and in most of my career for twenty five years at least.
1: So gotcha. I mean, All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to talk with me. And thank you for uh, putting this out in a manner that, that, you know, allows lay people like me to better understand some of the legal intricacies. And uh, I, I appreciate it.
0: It's my pleasure.
1: All right, folks. Well, that is the interview for today. Again, yeah, next week is going to be uh, starting to get a little crazy. So probably only a, a couple podcasts. Um, next week, I fly out to uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, doing a speaking engagement with Mary McCord, who if uh, she was on last week. But if you're watching the um,
0: uh
1: the uh the the congressional hearings on um PBS she will be kind of uh being the uh I guess like a sportscaster you know like just introducing things and giving background information as things go so um hosting I guess hosting it for them and then uh yeah all right well that's all I got for today uh stay safe Enjoy that weather, and I'm going to get to writing. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade, and I'm your host, as
0: always, Jason Van Tiethoff.